Hi, everybody. Before we get started on season three of Dads on Film, we just want to tell you how you can support our podcast. Uh, first of all, it'd be great if you could tell your friends about Dads on Film podcast, uh, share it on social media and the likes, but also uh, you can show your support by buying us a beer. How can they buy us a beer, Dave? You can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash dads on film pod. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash dads on film pod and show your support for as little as three pounds. Yeah, that's not a subscription. You can do it as a one-off. I mean, by all means, do it every week, do it every month if you like. It helps pay for, you know, our fees for some of this stuff. Yes. Yeah. Should we should we cool. get into season three? Should we play it? Have you got yes. a cassette? Have you got a cassette? Here there? it is. I'm, I'm getting it. I'm getting it out. Oh, it's a, it's a bit dusty. Give it a. Oh yeah. Oh no. This is my. Uh, this is my Tears for Fears Mega Mix. Sorry. Let me just. Uh, Hang on, where is it? I know. No, no, that's simply read the the Batman soundtrack. No, here we go. Oh, here it is. Season three, episode one. Enjoy. I apologise for the noise in advance, David. There's an FA Cup replay football game going on right behind me. All right, bloody Alex Gerardi. Beckham, yep, <laughs> good one. That's, that's I, football. I got, I got you. <laughs> that was a goal. <laughs> this weekend, <laughs> the teams who, it, it's a once-in-a-lifetime game that will happen again next season. <laughs> that's a David Mitchell reference yeah. to anyone who's a little bit confused. Nice. And, uh, what, David uh, doesn't like football. Uh, what score is one. it, Greg? Is it 1-0 or 2-0 or a 1-2? A 1-2-3-4. Two, a I'm Dave. And I'm Greg. And we love watching films. Great films. Bad films. Blockbusters. Classics. Indie films. Cheesy films. Superhero films. But as dads, we especially love watching family films with our kids. So we've made a podcast all about it. This, this is Dads on Film. You nearly messed that up, but I I'll did, let you yeah, run with it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought, bless him, I'm going to let him have this. Yeah, thanks. thanks. <laughs> what How are you, Greg? Season three. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, good. Yeah, I always, I'm, you know, come on. You I'm, can't I'm, polish it. <laughs> I'm, ve- I'm very well, thanks. Uh, we've been clinging on to the end of summer. I've had a few glasses of wine this evening in the sunshine. Uh, and uh, on a school night as well. Uh, but yeah, you know, absolute maniac. Life is good. How are you? What's I'm good, on? Gregory. For the listeners who have not uh, tuned into our uh, pre-season uh, Spotify exclusive soundtracks episode, how the bloody hell are you, Greg? How was your summer? <laughs> it's, it's been fantastic. Thank you. I've, uh, I've had lots of nice times with the kids. Uh, we've had days out. Say you know, say we've not been able to be on go on a holiday. Uh, we've done all right, and uh, yeah, and uh, and that's holiday or staycation, <laughs> as people are wrongly using that word. Yes, fed up with the misuse of the word staycation, and just want to make this point: a staycation is when you stay at your own home overnight and you go on day trips. If you go on, if you go to Cornwall and stay for a week, or Wales or Scotland, just because you're not abroad, it's still a f-ing holiday. Oof. Whoa. I yeah, feel very, feel very strongly about that. that All right, is... Thomas Cook, bloody hell. <laughs> that, <laughs> word is, 
that word has been brandished about like nobody's business wow. over over the last uh, over the last few months, and uh, I'm not happy about it. Cool. Staycation, don't get it. No, don't misuse it. <laughs> wow. Anyway, Good. other than that, I'm getting a little bit little bit bitter about the fact that I've not been out on holiday. Excellent! Great! Fantastic! Your lad Ben had his first day at school today. He is did. That right? He did. Yeah, first day at school. He was. He was wonderful. Uh, yeah. He came back absolutely filthy, cool. which is just a you know go to. My other son is five and a half months old now, which is crazy. That seems very long ago, but we've had a bit of a break of, of the uh, you know in the podcast. So I thought I'd just update everybody. He's five and a half months old, and, uh, and uh, yeah. Lovely. Yeah, you did. Good. You did. You did a nice. Did me a nice little FaceTime earlier. And I, I did. Saw him and he seems like he's <laughs> doing fantastic. Yes, he's and a little fat boy, <laughs> like <yes>. his dad. <laughs> he's Bonnie. He's very Bonnie. Yes, he's a very Bonnie lad. I um, I've been trying to right some wrongs over the summer, Greg. Um, and I've been trying to watch a lot of films that I think technically I should have seen. You yes. know, being the co-host of a successful film and parenting-related podcast, so I've gone back and I've watched. I don't know. <laughs> it's my other one. Uh, <laughs> Mum's on. Never mind. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, so I've gone back and I've watched things like uh, Twelve Angry Men. Finally okay. watched it. Bloody brilliant! Oh. I yeah. watched uh, North by Northwest. Wasn't that good? That's okay. probably. Uh, you know, sacrilege, but whatever. I watched yeah. American Werewolf in London. I saw that you saw this. Absolutely brilliant. I watched it uh, last, last Friday. Oh, no, I loved it. Yeah. yeah it was it's, quality. It's like super gory, super, like really scary, really tense, but also really silly. Yeah. And I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, like massively enjoyed it. Well, yeah. I just, I just loved the, like the Yorkshire stuff, like the slaughtered <laughs> lamb and, yeah. the, and the guys yeah. inside that. Um, and, uh, I, I just, my, my favorite bit is, um, when he's, when you see him transforming over yeah. time. And actually yeah. you think for 1981, yeah. I mean, they did a pretty damn good job of it. It's amazing. It was Rick, I saw Rick Baker stuff, isn't it? Um, he, yeah. You know, famously he's, he's done loads and well, did loads and loads of, uh, uh, so, you know, prosthetics and things like that. Speaking yeah. of Rick's, uh, Rick Mail in the, in the pub. Yeah. Uh, saw that. Nice pub. Yeah. Uh, there's a few others as well. Brian Glover's in there as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's I, no, I, I really did enjoy it, and uh, you can see why it's sort of, you know, cult classic, really. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, uh, definitely. And do you uh, know what? I, I don't know why, but I, I, I've never even looked into it much before. But whenever I've heard about it, I mean, I didn't realize it was horror comedy. But of course, like, I mean, Edgar Wright cites it so much yeah. as an influence for things like Sean and. You know, hot yeah. that. and you can so see it as well yeah, like definitely. it's it's brilliant yeah yeah it's really really good so I've, yeah i watched that i've watched loads and loads of films over the summer if you would like to know what i've watched and what i thought of them um you can follow me on uh letterboxd greg uh, okay just oh, just yeah. david just i know you do but i'm just saying to the to the listeners uh, likewise so, yeah. yeah link in bio i think link in bio definitely so link greg description what the hell is coming up on today's show yeah, let's get the hell on with it. Uh, next, we're going uh, going back to the movie train. We got set off on the road to Mad Max Fury Road uh, just before the end of Series 2. Uh, then we've got like, film news. Uh, then we've got an interview. Uh, our guest this week is Mr. Adam Stephen Kelly, filmmaker uh, of a new film that's out this year called Nemesis. And 
uh, we'll be chatting to him for a while. Uh, we'll be chatting about the new Marvel film Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi? Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. The Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, we'll be getting back on that movie train and doing the usual What's on the Box? Yeah, boy. Let's do this. I'm excited. Season three. Series three? Who cares? Seasies. 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 Twa. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, choo okay. choo Gregory it's been a while yes here we are chugging in so um, I don't know how we got here was it Nicholas Holt yes because we went going from yes. about a boy didn't we yes um, we did so for people who are listening to our podcast for the first time and you know I'm sure we've got some people who have uh, decided to join us now if so where have you been and also <laughs> Welcome. So we have this feature called The Movie Train, and what we do is every week we link from one film to the next uh, via a a line on The Movie Train. Mm. And that line has got to be uh, maybe an actor, it might be a, a part of the, a crew member, it might be director, it might be something more tenuous, it might be a, a, a setting, it might be, mm. um, you know, it might be a theme even. But, you know, um, we've been doing this for about, I don't know, what, about 10 weeks now? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I actually went back and I tried to... Uh challenge myself and trace it trace it back and i did it it was tough oh, but I, I did it well um, not much else to do so where do we start we started with uh no country for old man okay and yeah. here we are at mad max fury road so this is uh 2013 nope nope 16 15 2015. Oh. Huh. this is the uh t- 2015 uh australian post-apocalyptic uh, action film uh, and it's directed by George Miller and it's just I mean it's it, it, it's just got to be seen to be believed and f- you know I went for years after this came out um, put off by the idea of it because um, you know the whole dystopian action thing I didn't think it was for me but just mm. as a piece of filmmaking it is sensational just as as, as a production feat it's just it's like it's essentially one very long scene i mean the main bit of the film is this it's as as you can imagine it's on a road it's this (laughs) but it's so much more than the road is it's furious that road isn't it greg (laughs) it is uh but uh, i mean you know don't need to say much to sell it. it's got tom hardy charlie's Theron, nicholas holt in there uh, zoe kravitz you got you know really good cast Mm. um but but the the effort that's clearly gone into the thing the most wonderful thing about this film is it's so fast paced and there's so much going on and there's I don't know fleets of vehicles all doing different things at different times going at different speeds weaving around yeah. each other but it's not disorientating there's something so clever about the the cinematography and you know the the way it's shot the the direction of it and the editing of it that mm. means that. You, even on the close-ups, you know where you are, yeah. and it's it's quite amazing. Um, Whereas in in, in somebody else's hands, other than George Miller, i.e., uh, you know, a Fast and the Furious director or uh, what's he called, Michael Bay or something like that, you would be so confused and so bored ten minutes yeah. into it. But even just the thought of you know a hundred cars chasing a truck across a <laughs> desert 
you know, <laughs> oh, what a load of crap. It's just so compelling. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, we don't need to go into it too thoroughly. Uh, no. But I will sum it up my end by saying, you know, I didn't think it was something I was into. I certainly did it, didn't think it was something my wife was into, but it's one of these mm. ones where I put it on to give it a go, and we were both just glued to the screen yeah. for the whole two hours uh, this went on. Um, I think it's just sensational, and I think it's, it's without a doubt, a modern classic. Definitely. I completely agree. Um, I love the fact, you know what, I love the supporting cast more than mm. the main because you know, I, I've got I've got sort of thoughts on Tom Hardy, some uh, how he mumbles his way or grum, grunts his way through particular roles, especially this one. But mm-hmm. I think the fact that they are doing a prequel about Furiosa, uh, Charlize yeah. Theron's character, is you know just says it all, doesn't it? And uh, I tell you what's Absolutely. really interesting. So we said this a few weeks ago, didn't we? That uh, Anna Taylor Joy has been uh, cast as as young Furiosa, yeah. um, and apparently, well, it's not even apparently, it's true, this was off the back of Edgar Wright showed um, George Miller a very rough cut of Last Night in Soho. um, And he went, yep, okay, she's going to be furious. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty cool, isn't it? Oh, that's Um, really cool. Yeah, I I, I just love it. And, you know, I I said it before, just a a two and a half hour car chase doesn't really do it for me, but this film really, really did it for me. It's, It's excellent. Um, yeah, so there we go. That was that was the uh, the old bloody movie train. Would you say, Gregory, that Mad Max Fury Road is Mean Streets or yep. Deathbed, the bed that eats? <laughs> I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued, as I often am, with yes. uh, Deathbed, the bed that eats. But I'm going to go for Mean Streets. Please. Me too. Fantastic. Where can we see this film, Greg? Mad Max Fury Road is available now on Sky Cinema and Now TV. This is Good News. Excellent. I'm back, your favourite news reporter, to bring you the Dads on Film Film news this week. Um, apparently, yes, I'm here. Thank you. Um, okay, cool. So, off the back of the massive uh, success of Shang Chi this weekend yeah. in America, it took something like 90 million over four days, which is brilliant. In term, yeah. you know, especially in in the uh, you know the pandemic, well, post pandemic, I suppose. Um, yeah. So it's done really, really well, so much so that a lot of other films that were being delayed or being moved around are being brought forward. So Venom is being brought forward uh, two weeks, So which actually will bring it. So it's, it's supposed to come out now on the 1st of October. This is Venom, Let, oh. let There Be Carnage. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> 1st of October, which in the UK is the day after uh, Bond is released. So that is a very, very oh, bold, very wow. bold choice for Sony to bring it. Well, it's two Sony movies, isn't it? against yeah. each other um wow. i think okay. bond will smash it to be honest um <laughs> yeah. the interesting thing we i think i messaged you about it a few weeks ago is now with bond they were saying that uh it, it was released sony cannot afford to delay bond anymore and with all the delays all of the reshoots all of the marketing it needs to make something stupid like 900 million dollars <laughs> to tell, make profit <laughs> tell me this so how many as we as we speak what well, we must be about 
three or four weeks, four weeks maybe away from from Bond. Right. Yeah, thirtieth of September, isn't it? Apparently. Yeah, so it's going to be. Yeah, three weeks. Three mm. weeks. Yeah. Um, marketing wise, and speak about you know spending money on the marketing. That does it feel a bit quiet to you? Yeah, they did a new trailer um, last week, which was a lot of the same you know footage we've seen. A little bit, you know, some new stuff, but there wasn't tons. Mm. And other than that, I've not seen that much about it. However, they spent a ton on reshoots, didn't they? Because if you remember. Um, maybe six months ago, there was it was reported that they were having to reshoot a lot of the kind of technology mm. in the film and the gadgets and that sort of stuff because a lot okay. of the Sony products were now out of date. <laughs> it was like, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, which is yeah, yeah. just it's just baffling. Yeah. But, but they, but there you go. Anyway, um, okay, cool. Right. Um, okay, do you ever hear of this film that came out a few years ago called The Accountant with uh, Ben of- Ben Affleck? Yeah, never okay. seen it. Yeah. So they've announced uh, the accountant too, which you know, fine. Apparently, apparently it was it was fine. Yeah. But and I don't know how for me, I don't know how this film slipped under the radar because Ben Affleck plays an autistic uh, accountant. He kind of cooks the books or uncooks the books. Apparently, kind of traces you know where where the kind of money money laundering has uh, yeah. has come from. Um, yeah. But I am. <sighs> We're hearing, you know, you're hearing more about the, you know, the kind of, um, you know, the woke culture and and that sort of stuff, and how, you know, a lot of films, a lot of TV shows are being, air quotes, cancelled because of, you know, representation in it and things like that. Um, yeah. One of them is is Rain Man. A lot of people are going back and saying, well, why why was Dustin Hoffman playing an autistic? Uh, chap why was Forrest Gump you know Tom Hanks playing Forrest Gump a guy with you know slight learning difficulties and things like that and we've you know we've kind of discussed this a bit bit in the past I really don't know how Ben Affleck has gone under the radar that Ben Affleck is playing an autistic guy um Mm -hmm. you know from kind of I don't know it hits a little bit closer to home for me my son's autistic Um, I just feel like there's there's plenty of actors out there and and you know who will have you know learn some sort of learning difficulties, um, and I, I just feel like maybe you know they should. Yeah, play you know, the character, well, not well there was the there was the film a couple of years ago where I, I didn't see it, but where uh, oh, music, people, music was no, yeah. no, no, not that one. No, um, All right. <laughs> where a, mini, a minibus load of guy, disabled guys um, went to basically lose their virginity at some specialist um, okay. brothel that specialised in those those needs. But none of the cast were actually like wow. disabled at all. Um, so no, it absolutely is an interesting point. I think hmm. um, what what for me is a bigger question is how anyone made a film called The Accountant and expected people to flock to it. So it's just I mean, <laughs> yeah. as we'll call it, the project manager, the telephone, coming soon, coming soon, team leader, <laughs> sales associates. <laughs> science, science teacher. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, right. oh, sorry, oh dear. I'm Tele- Telephone customer service representative. <laughs> the parking lot attendant. Okay. All right, we get it. <laughs> um, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd definitely. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I completely get it. Um, apparently, the film was all right, but I don't know. I just got problems. Yeah. With it, but who cares? They should um, call it. Are they calling it the accountant too? Yeah, I think I think so. I think they should call squared. it squared. <laughs> <laughs> the accountant squared. <laughs> 
Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I think this should just break silk a bit. All right. Yeah. The compliance officer. <laughs> oh, ne- never mind. Anyway, um, yeah. and just to finish off the news, a few little bits about the Venice Film Festival. So um, we had a few premieres. The uh, um, the Kristen Stewart, Diana one. I can't remember what it's called now. Probably should have checked uh, that. But, uh, apparently, it's a, What's her maiden name? Um, Spencer. Spencer. Spencer, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but apparently she's getting rave reviews for her performance, but we'll see um june okay. premiere and got an eight minute standing ovation well, it does look I've fantastic seen speaking... some of the reviews and they are pretty pretty epic um yeah. the, the talks of part two uh, are you know building now which is great well, i heard someone uh, describe it as um the lord of the rings of, our gener- of this generation oh wow that's so, fantastic uh, that's, i'm really uh, excited yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, and then finally, you know, sad, sad, uh, sad news, but obviously it was last night we heard uh, Michael K. Williams sadly died. So Michael K. Williams, um, he's that guy out of that thing. You know, he's, he's always pops up, yeah. doesn't he? You know, more yeah. so in TV. So, you know, The Wire, I know him mainly from Boardwalk Empire. He's absolutely brilliant in it, but he's, he's in a lot of, a lot of things and he's very, very compelling in everything that he's in. Yeah. There you go. And that was your news. The Budget Analyst. <laughs> <laughs> the, the pillow stuffer <laughs> when I was in nursery they, they used to say uh, what do you want to be when you're older and ever, like Marks was a fireman because uh, he loved he wanted to be a fireman and mine was I want to be a pillow stuffer really that, I think that just in, involved stuffing pillows oh, there was a lovely lad in my year at school called uh well, I won't. I won't say his name. Yeah. Let's call him Mick, because that was his first name. <laughs> I remember because I mean, round our way, you get a lot of um, people from the farming community, which, which is fantastic. And, uh, and but this particular, that's you know, not a trait of this guy that caused him to say it. <laughs> I remember being in year eleven. I turned to him in the dinner hall, and I said. Um, you know, people were chatting about what what they're going to do next year, sick form and stuff like that. I said, "What are you doing, Mick?" And he went, "Bagging." <laughs> I went, "What?" I remember this. I mean, bear in mind, this is sixteen years ago. I remember it clear as day. He went, "Bagging." I went, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Bagging." I said, "Bagging what?" Bagging sand. <laughs> and it was just, but I, I really admired how how much of a vision, clear vision of his goals he had. Far more than I probably yeah, still yeah, have yeah. today. But he just knew it. That was his that was his path. Bag in the sand. Wow. Uh, yes. Earlier this year, British gangster thriller Nemesis was released. It's now available to buy and rent on digital platforms. And we're lucky enough to have writer and producer Adam Stephen Kelly with us. So, Adam, thank you very much for being here and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be on. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, So, if you do want to just tell us a little bit about your background and how you became a filmmaker. Sure. So, yes. So, journalism is kind of... Journalism was always something that I wanted to do from when I was in my early teens I always had a bit of a flair for writing and uh, and not much else to be honest so writing um, always seemed to be a natural uh, fit for me whatever it may be so I kind of settled on journalism kind of just because it generally involved writing Uh, I also wanted to be an author 
uh, but I was never sort of dead set on, on, on either of those two things, but they were always things I just wanted to do. So um, I uh, started writing for a local newspaper when I was about 16 to get the kind of journalism journey going. Um, but I was just covering, you know, local events as you would and such. Uh, and then in 2009, uh, I saw uh, an advert for a film blog uh, called Screen Jabber. Uh, and uh, they were looking for new writers. And I thought, well, I've always been a fan of film. I'm interested in filmmaking. So I thought, let's give it a go. I mean, reviewing films sounds like it would be a lot of fun. Uh, so I just applied for it, got the role. And uh, I started uh, writing about films and uh, doing what you guys do, interview people. Um, and it was through interviewing that uh, I met uh, film producers and got acquainted with them. And um, while I was doing the journalism thing, my interest in filmmaking became stronger and uh, decided I wanted to, to pursue that above the journalism thing. Uh, so basically, yeah, through my connections to these film producers and things, I started uh, writing my own uh, scripts. And eventually, a film that I reviewed, um, the producer of that read a short film that I wrote, and uh, that became done in uh, my first film, a little short film. So if I didn't pursue the journalism thing, then I mean, you know, God knows what I'd be doing, where I'd be, whether I would have made any films whatsoever. Uh, so very grateful for that connection and, uh, you know, the, the connections plural that, uh, film journalism gave me. Yeah. Wow. And what a, what a debut that was, I suppose, with, uh, with Dunning, um, you, you know, well, we've both seen it, uh, again, not to, not to be that guy, but I thought it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll speak a little bit more about, um, Dunning in a little while. Um, let's speak a little bit about Nemesis then. I mean, so you wrote you wrote this um, you wrote this screenplay, and as I understand it, um, you were all set to go March twenty twenty. Am I right? Just before you know the world fell apart. Um, mm. Can you take us um, through the sort of um, you know that that moment when you're about to go into production, and that obviously when it went into production further later in the year, um, with all the restrictions that were in place, um, you know obvious challenges that, that are faced with that. Um, tell me about making a film during the global pandemic. So going back to February of 2020, uh, mm. we were ready to go with the film. Um, and then obviously, you know, the virus became a pandemic. Uh, and, uh, you know, making a film is, is, is incredibly difficult. Getting to the point where you're on set is incredibly difficult. You know, it's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. You're putting all the pieces together. And then as soon as you get the last piece in, you know, three suddenly disappear. Um, but we had, you know, we had the money, we had the, the cast, we had the schedule, everything lined up. And then this virus happens. So of all the things you can think of that would halt a film, it's never a global virus. Uh, but there we were. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that put the kibosh on, uh, on that. Um, it was very defeating, obviously. Um, you know, you think, okay, all well, the pieces came together. Now this virus has happened. When we are allowed to film again, are the pieces that were there still going to be there? You know, was this our only chance to make that to make this film? Um, because that that's how it is. It's it's 
it, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, that was February of 2020. And then during the, was it the first lockdown or the second lockdown? I've, 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 I've lost count of them now. Um, but September of 2020, <laughs> yeah, um, we were able to, to film again. So, um, luckily all the pieces came together pretty quickly when September rolled around. Um, and we were allowed to shoot. Uh, so that was good. We, you know, were able to get it uh, up and running. Uh, but um, obviously, with the with the, the virus still, you know, prevalent in, in September of 2020, uh, there were lots of um, restrictions with filmmaking, with the with the production. Obviously, masks, temperature checks, and waivers, um, and just a pretty surreal experience making a film. Uh, you know, where everyone's sitting around wearing masks, and actors are having to wear masks then they just slip them off to shoot their scene and then put them back on um very surreal and just very odd somehow as odd as it has been in in real life to get used to masks and things it was almost stranger on a film set for whatever reason um and as well as you know stuff like that there were compromises we had to make with locations uh scenes had to be adapted to accommodate you know we couldn't have you know a load of locations um there are numerous scenes in the film that were shot in the exact same building as and they're supposed to be you know completely separate but we had no no choice really it must have been a relief when you wrapped when that day you wrapped it must have been you know beads of sweat pouring down your face and uh, looking back on it yeah definitely definitely especially uh, i mean one of the the pickup days was um seen in the film where where there's a, a van that explodes and um Obviously, oh, yeah. independent film production, you know, getting a van that you can uh, rig and blow up, you know, having multiple takes isn't, uh, <laughs> isn't necessarily uh, something that happens on a, on a low budget independent movie. Uh, but we had to do that twice. Uh, I had to schedule another day sort of out of thin air to get that done because um, it was pouring with rain uh, on that day. And, um, you know, we, we weren't uh, some big studio movie that has like tents, uh, tents and gazebos up everywhere. Uh, having this van undercover, um, so it was just soaking wet. So when it came to blow it up, it was um, anticlimactic to say the least. It was a bit of a damp squib. So uh, yeah, we we had to redo that. Otherwise, I think that scene would not have looked as good as it does. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. But obviously, well, I, I say we're out of the pandemic. Uh, hmm, that's a touchy subject. But <laughs> let's talk about the kind of the actual writing of the film. Um, what were what were your sort of influences when you were writing, you know, a British gangster thriller like Nemesis? For for me, watching the film, um, it struck me how many how many for me there was like a lot of horror horror elements to it. Um, for me, I saw things like Straw Dogs in there, Strangers, um, you know, like those sorts of like horror thrillers. But then obviously, you know, you, you sort of British gangster thing, you know, you snatch your lock stock, that sort of stuff as well. So w- were there any sort of big influences when you were writing it? So the 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 main influence in terms of the actual project was a 60s film uh, called The Penthouse, um, which uh, Billy Murray, who's obviously the, the lead in the film, mm. um, he's known the producer, Jonathan Sothcott, for years, um, years and years. And Billy has always loved the idea of the penthouse and he's always wanted to make a home invasion movie set in a penthouse. Uh, and he's been sort of in the background uh, in Jonathan's ears for, for years, trying to get him to make something uh, of that vein. 
um, and uh, Jonathan finally relented and uh, decided, okay, let's 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 make this movie, um, but let's let's add this kind of gangster gangland veneer because you know people like gangster movies and they they sell mm. and uh, you know it's uh, it's a lot easier to get gangster movies made in this country than than other films. It's it's always it's a it's an evergreen genre that people are always interested to to, to see. Uh, so um, so yeah, that was the the impetus for the film was this old '60s movie. Um, I haven't seen it personally uh, because I didn't want it to to, to influence <laughs> my writing. Yeah, um, I just just know it was it's a home invasion movie set in a penthouse. That's all I know about it. But that was that was all enough. You know, that was good enough for me. Uh, I like the concept. Tight deadline, as is always the case. Uh, so this was going back to Christmas 2019, um, considering we were going to shoot in mm. February of 2020. It was a very tight deadline. Right. Um, so I think I turned in the first draft just before Christmas 2019. Uh, but what interested me about writing it was obviously the initial concept of this home invasion movie in a penthouse. The idea that there are people stuck in this building, you know, the very top floor, there's there's really nowhere to go uh, but down. What I kind of liked about this idea was that it, it, it's not necessarily a gangster movie. As I say, it's kind of got this gangland veneer to it, but it, it, is, it is a horror movie in that last, you know, that last, uh, well, the second half, really. Yeah. It, it is a horror film. It is the home invasion. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's such a disturbing theme it's not you know there's no supernatural element it's it's just real uh you know thinking of things that kind of scare me uh, as a as an individual the idea of someone you know creeping into your home in the middle of the night with you know malintent is pretty is pretty frightening uh and and it happens at the end of the day um and there's some great movies with home invasion themes uh like you said the strangers uh there's funny games yeah. uh henry portrait of a serial yeah. killer <laughs> both, has a, both versions <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um and uh, yeah henry portrait of a serial killer <laughs> has a really horrifying home invasion scene in it um so and that, that, those kind of scenes have, have been films have always stuck with me so uh that was the element that i kind of wanted to, to to bring to it that made it something different than just your average gangster movie really and i think and i think what's all the more unnerving is it's you know it's not just a stranger home invasion thing it, it's it's without giving too much away there's a character that is seemingly a trustworthy person it, who who is sort of like invaded like a Trojan horse if if you like mm. with the with 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 the sort of um, the twist and turns of that particular character um, in the fi- in the final act of the film um, I mean you mentioned the great Billy Murray and it sounds like um, he was sort of involved in the process from quite early on um so i imagine you know you you had him had him in mind and all set set as you were writing the character of john morgan um from the start but i mean for the for the wider cast in general i mean um were you writing characters uh, and then casting them afterwards or is there a sort of mix of having them in mind as you were writing or having them sort of lined up as you were writing how did that casting process sort of come together so with uh, Billy Murray, obviously it was his idea, uh, the initial concept of the film. Um, and he was always, you know, he was interested in, in, in making a film like that because he wanted to, to be in it. So first off, the idea was that it was going to be his swan song movie. It was going to be his final performance. Um, and he kind of 
pretty much almost retired from acting at the time and he was going to essentially come back for this one film and that would be it. So he was always the first cast member involved, uh, attached. So, yeah, so I did, I did completely write John Morgan for, for Billy. Um, also Janine Nerissa Southcott as well, um, wrote for her and also Nick Moran. He was always envisioned to be uh, Frank Conway, the sort of down and out disgraced detective in the movie. So those three actors were always, yeah. always there from the start. Um, and obviously, thankfully, all, all three, uh, you know, actually acted in the film as opposed to, you know, writing for them and then um, having to change things up. So, yeah, it was just those guys really that I, that I wrote for and the rest just uh, just fit, fit the roles, really. Brilliant. Great. Um, so from what we can tell and from what you've said, uh, you've built a really great working relationship with British super producer Jonathan uh, Sothcott uh, and Shogun Films. How did uh, how did all this come about? So it's uh, it's it's pretty much exactly the same story. Thankfully, with Jonathan, I um, reviewed I think a couple of his films, and then we we got in touch. Uh, God knows what they were now, um, and then we met at a film festival, uh, Fright Fest in London, I think in twenty ten maybe. Um, and just hit it off really. Uh, we're, we're kind of pretty like-minded um, in terms of the films that we like. We're both big horror fans. Um, he's like a, a horror expert. Um, and what attracted me to him and, and, and made me want to work with him is that he, he gets things done. Uh, there are a lot of talkers in the film industry uh, and by comparison, very few doers uh, and he's definitely a, a doer. I mean, he's been in the industry for, well, producing films for, I guess, 10, 11, 12 years now uh, in terms of feature films. And he's made over 40 films, which is pretty crazy uh, for a uh, film producer anywhere in the world. So he gets stuff done. Yeah. Um, so we just we just gelled and uh, kept in touch for a few years. And then uh, based on Dunin, he asked if I would come and... Uh, work with him so since then um i've moved into the the creative realm with him um, producing a number of films with him and of course writing it's kind of me and him that's sort of running the show and have been for a few years now so it's a very good working relationship we work very well together De definitely evident by by the outcomes as well um i just want to sort of um, segue back to uh, billy murray's character john morgan um I mean, what, one thing that I found find really interesting is that in that character is that um, you know he, he's clearly through the subtext he's he's from a background of a grim line of work, um, and the, the actual the world of his his work and his crime actually you don't, you, you don't see it's not the focus of the story but what you do get is this um, warm character portrayal with strong family values, um, and that's what really drew me to him as a character. Um, in the same way that, I mean, this this could be a real shot in the dark, but in the same way that t I'm drawn to Tony Soprano, um, I don't know whether you're you've watched The Sopranos, you're a fan of Sopranos, but one of the amazing things about him is that, you know, you know he's involved in this, like this grim, dark underworld of crime, but actually there's so much that's relatable there. And I think that's that's what's quite unnerv unnerving um, as the viewer. And that's what sort of like resonates quite well. Um, I mean, is is that is that an influence that's there with you? I mean, is is that something you were going for when you were developing that character? As as you've seen done in, of course, I have 
definitely a bit of a affection for uh, the the dark and the and the twisted. Um, so it's uh, it's just something that I've always I just like dark themes. They uh, I get a kick out of them, shall we say? So creating these dark characters is is uh, has always been an interest of me of mine. Um, and with uh, with John Morgan. Kind of like you said, as Tony Soprano, the idea was to just create a character that people were rooting for and they, they thought was you know cool and, and kind of charismatic and funny. Um, they know that there's something shady about him and that's kind of enough at that point. Um, but the idea was just, you know, make him make him likable and then just pull the rug under people's feet towards the end. But I just like the idea of there being really ultimately no heroes in this film um some of the, the criticism people have, have have had for nemesis is that there is no there is no clear hero there isn't really someone to root for by the end of it but i don't think that necessarily matters i don't think it's a particularly happy movie i don't think it's a film that uh is about good people i mean if you rooted for john you know three quarters of the movie that's that's enough you had someone to root for um you know the fact that it changed that's just that's just storytelling right i, I don't think there needs to be there needs to be good people necessarily i don't think you, happy endings you know yeah. I, I just like dark themes and dark characters and uh getting a getting a rise out of people in terms of making them think and question um and hopefully people people mm. do that when uh, when watching nemesis we mentioned your your short film done in um, a few times, and uh, for our listeners, it's it's sensational, eight minutes short. And what we'll do is we'll put a link to it in the podcast podcast dis- description. Um, and I urge you all to go and uh, have a watch of that. Now, um, what's what I always find amazing with short films is um, in terms of a writing process as much as the film production process. You know, the the the, the feat of getting so much story into a short space of time. Um, I'm sort of in awe of, and particularly with with this film, with with the character um, Harry, isn't it? Um, yeah. You, 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 the subtext is is vast, and uh, you know, whilst you're watching it, you, you know, you learn a bit about him, um, and you know, there's a reveal later on later on in the film, um, and. And your mind, well, certainly my mind starts, you know, going haywire about about his background and how did it come to this and, you know, building more of that character in my head as a viewer. As a writer, when you're, I mean, not just in this film, I mean, when you're writing even for John or any of the other characters in Nemesis, but do you flesh the characters out in your mind, do, even though you're not giving away more of their any of their backstory, you have in your head sort of where they've come from what might have happened and how they got to this position when you're writing it or or is it ambiguous as ambiguous in your head as it might be for the for the audience a lot of the times i do um come up with uh, a backstory that no one will ever see in the film but it's kind of there um just because it helps as you say flesh out the characters it, it adds something something more to them um i've gone through i mean it, it depends project to project but i've written little like character bios uh for for characters before and you know 99% of it isn't in the isn't in the script it's not in the film um but it just helps me make these characters more three dimensional 
um, and gives me something else to, to 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 play on when writing their character and writing their dialogue. Some actors are are more receptive to uh, stuff like that than others. Um, but for instance, um, on Dunin and also Kill Kane, which was the feature I directed, uh, worked quite closely with the cast in pre-production um, with A, giving my own uh, backstory that I had created in my head and also working with the actors to create a backstory with them that is just for their, you know, for their benefit but isn't in the film, you know, just reading between between the lines, um, and just just creating something to help them give more of a more of a um, authentic performance to that character. Well, as as we're sort of uh, coming to the end and, and wrapping up, obviously the the big question now is, uh, you know, what what's next? What are you what are you currently working on? What's coming up in the in the future? Um, yeah, what 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 we're we looking forward to. Well, I certainly like to keep busy and uh, Shogun Films, the company uh, that I'm with, with uh, Jonathan, um, we always got a very full, full slate of films in development. Um, and I guess the first one to discuss would be uh, chiefly would be Renegades, which recently finished filming, um, started filming way back in December in L.A. Uh, and then we did the U.K. portion uh, in the last uh, last month or so. Uh, but that's like an all out action movie. Um, a lot of famous faces in that. It's got an amazing cast. Uh, it's got Billy Murray is in it. Nemesis turned out not to be his swan song. Um, yeah. He's done a couple of films since Nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, <laughs> Billy Murray's in that. Nick Moran is in that. Uh, and Janine, Nerissa Sothcott, uh, they're in that. Um, Patsy Kensit. Yeah. Um, in LA, oh, wow. we got uh, Danny Trejo's in it. Uh, Tiny Lister. Yeah, saw that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, So what may be Tommy Tiny Lister's last film, he sadly died a few weeks after we wrapped him. Um, Mm. So that may be his last performance in Renegades. Um, But that should be out early next year, I think. It's now now in editing, Um, but that's going to be... I think that's going to surprise a lot of people, um, that movie. It's it's, I think it's really going to be a good one, that one. I mean, I, I, from the title of the podcast, obviously we're not just into big gangster films and things like that. We 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 like all sorts of films, but particularly we have a little bit of a slant towards family films as well. I mean, I I, I imagine, you th- um, as with all of us, some of our most formative years, uh, in many senses, are our childhood. I mean, were you a fan of films in your childhood? Uh, when you look back to the first film as you were enjoying um, sort of family films and speakers about U's and PG's and things like that, what springs to mind as your sort of standout sort of childhood and family films? Yes. Uh, well, su- what may be surprising is that I did actually used to watch family films before. Uh, <laughs> I kind of became a bit twisted over the years. Um, so yeah, my, my childhood was, I had a very Disney childhood. Um, I used to watch things like Aladdin and Peter Pan uh, over and over and over. Uh, just used to wear the, 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 the VHS tapes out. I, I don't yeah. tend to, to, to watch the family stuff these days, but there is a Christmas film that um, I loved when I was a kid, which I watch every year without fail. Um, 
the, the, the one day I take off a year from, from thinking of dark subject matter uh, is the Santa Claus <laughs> with uh, Tim, uh, Tim Allen. Oh, yeah. oh brilliant. Tim, Tim Allen. Allen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've, I've just, <laughs> I've just always, uh, yeah, I, I've always loved that movie and uh, I, I watch it once a year without fail and it never gets old. I, I don't know what it is about it. Um, maybe it's the fact that obviously yeah. Santa dies at the start, so maybe that's what made me uh, interested in it because it's got a bit of a... <laughs> it's the twisted element all along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, just, it's got a bit of a warped, uh, bit of a warped start for a for a for a you know family film. But um, yeah, that's definitely a favourite that stuck with me through the, throughout the years. Wow, brilliant! Um, I'm going to kick myself if I don't ask really, really quickly. I'm a massive wrestling fan, and from my from a little bit of research, some little bird tells me that uh, you're in, quite into your wrestling so much so you are a wrestler. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about that? Because I am like <laughs> fanboy in massively. <laughs> so I mean, I, I, I I'm not. Uh, I have trained, um, but okay. I, I I'm not. I'm not a wrestler per se. I haven't uh, had a match <laughs> yet. Working on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, I'm a lifelong Real. fan of uh, professional wrestling. Uh, I've just been obsessed with it since I was a kid. Uh, I have my brother to blame for that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just love wrestling, and, uh, and and so much so that, as you say, I've uh, cool. I have started training. Started a couple of years ago. Um, sadly, uh, COVID yeah. and uh, the loss of my dad a couple of years back has put a bit of a halt on it. So, uh, but I'm looking to get back to it soon because absolutely love it it's uh it's it's tough you know especially on the body uh but it's a lot of fun and uh i feel very comfortable uh in a, in a ring um which is which is good maybe you know who knows maybe maybe your work and your sport will cross paths one day and maybe you'll end up making yeah. some sort of wrestling film what do you reckon <laughs> maybe maybe um there's, there's not that many out there uh well good ones anyway mm-hmm. so you know maybe maybe yeah have to be a very dark, twisted yeah. wrestling movie, obviously. Well, yeah, I think there's, I think there's a gap in the market for that. So, yeah, I think there's a, there's a thirst for that. Also. There's enough influence there, definitely. <laughs> Brilliant, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Well, well, thank you so much for your time, Adam. It's been, uh, it's been really, really fascinating, um, and you know, learning so much about, you know, the, the, the sort of uh, what's going on behind the scenes on, on this film. Really, really enjoyed Nemesis. There's a there's there's a lot going on, uh, and there's definitely kind of like a charm to it as well, which I, I really, really enjoyed. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for your time. We've definitely taken up too much of your time, um, but yeah, amazing. Thank you so much. Not not a problem. Uh, enjoy enjoyed the chat. So uh, thanks very much for uh, the the invitation. So that was Adam Stephen Kelly. Really great to have him on. And uh, his film Nemesis uh, is available now on digital platforms. You can rent it on uh, YouTube, Google Play, three pound fifty. It's Apple TV, four pound fifty. You can buy it as well. And the link for Adam's short film done in is in the podcast description. Podcast or pod- podcast? <laughs> exactly that one. So, released this week is our second Marvel movie of the summer. We first had Black Widow. We've had a lot of TV as well, which I quite enjoyed. Uh, yeah. But we finally got uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Gregory. And How this is before we get the Eternals in a few weeks' time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, obviously, um, 
Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, yeah, which I think is coming in December. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's quite a year for the MCU, really. Yeah, they're, they're playing. Obviously, they played catch up with uh, uh, Black Widow, didn't they? Um, but I think uh, Shang Chi was always sort of this year, wasn't it? So uh, yeah. I think they're, they're going to be getting back to that kind of like three releases in a year sort of thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. But that's fine. That's fine. So do you want to set it up, Greg? Shang Chi, yeah. Um, so. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, it's sort of, a, it's, for, well, certainly for me, I mean, I'm not a big sort of Marvel um, comic books fan. This was the first I'd heard of this ca- this character of Shang-Chi. Mm. Um, and it's quite interesting, really, because, I mean, it, it's got so many elements that are classic, what have become classic sort of Marvel elements, but actually it also manages to do something a little bit different um, mm. at the same time. But with it as well, um, you get something, a product that, yeah, okay, might not be for me certainly the uh, the greatest film of the year, but it's certainly entertaining. It's certainly mm. got um, good humour running through it as well, uh, and nice to sort of be doing something a bit different um, with you know an a- an Asian lead, but uh, you know the the support cast as well. So thousands mm. of years ago. Um, there's this sort of legend, there's these ten rings and there are these sort of weapons which give immortality um, and power. And uh, there's this guy and he sort of gains <laughs> these rings and he goes around the, the world gaining more power and he comes yeah. across, um, he comes to this sort of, uh, this enchanted village sort of place, this sort of like mystical world and he basically meets the love of his life and has a kid. And uh, that kid is Shang-Chi. Fast forward to modern day, Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's he is known as Sean. He's living in America, um, and he's living as a, uh, working as a parking attendant, like a valet. Is it a valet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a valet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. And um, you know, he's got he's with his working with his best mate called Katie. Katie. Yeah, Katie. Uh, yeah. And you know, they've, they've got a really good friendship. Um, lots of chemistry between them, and uh, they obviously like driving cars. And there's you know, this car off for a spin that they're supposed to be parking and you think oh this is going to come down come, come up again later down the line um basically basically what it transpires is uh, can you remember um, nobody uh, yes. on the bus <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. many parallels he's on a bus a load of people try to attack him albeit you know quite bizarre one of them big sword comes out of his arm yeah suddenly sean has these um this, these amazing skills in fighting and he fights them all off and it's quite something Mm. Um, what then happens is for some reason he gets <laughs> called to China and I don't really understand yep. what happens there he goes yep. looking for his sister yep. someone might have set him up mm. he ends up there Yep. <laughs> I don't quite know what happens after that they end up going back to the village where his mother lived Yep. and they end up defending it from his dad yep. who's still wanting all this power Mm. And involved in it is dragons and a load of ten rings. Okay, so it had all this, all this sort of setup and all these makings of what I think could have been a really, really good film. But then for yeah. me, it certainly got really sort of murky. And for like, I'd say the middle forty-five minutes to an hour, I was kind of like struggling to keep up a little bit. Like, okay, mm. Why are they, why are they doing this now? What's yeah. it? So has he double crossed them, or has he not double crossed mm. them? Has he? Okay, right. And so his mum there? No. Okay, she's all right. She's dead. Okay, so what have you got to do now? Oh, there's a load of monsters behind that wall. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, um, I mean, it was 
in many ways, it's it's a cynical vehicle to introduce this character and give him a backstory. Okay, mm. that's who is obviously going to be more um, significant further down the MCU. Yeah, I mean, what I've found with the MCU, and this is I'm not an MCU fanboy, but I've enjoyed the MCU over time. Is uh, w- one thing that I found quite interesting is when they've introduced new characters, mm. they've done it quite unconventional, unconventionally, in that yes. they um, they brought them in as a cameo in a different film, an unrelated yeah. film, and almost given that first to find out more about them. And for me, that works better, and I find that more intriguing than just going straight in with an out-and-out origin story about a character we've yeah. never met before. Mm. Um, I think it looked beautiful. I thought the choreography was stunning. I mean, you know, like a lot of good martial arts films, it's it's so much more like a dance than fighting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought I was, you know, something re- really special. And again, sort of, you know, pleasing on the eye and not frantic and not limbs flying everywhere. Like in like in Black Widow, I think I spoke about limbs flying everywhere and yeah. I found it quite sort of disorientating. With this, that wasn't the case. Mm. Um, there's there's a, not a cameo, there's a, a character that comes up back, back mm. in from much earlier on in the MCU yeah. uh, that I have to say, for me, was an absolute treat and a delight <laughs> uh, and gives a lot of sort of comic relief. Um I mean, there's for, the downside. The main downside for me is there's no clarity on the villain. There's no obvious antagonist throughout yeah. the film. Um, they, they didn't give enough sort of thought to that. Not near enough as, as much thought as they gave to the strong BMW product placement throughout the film. <laughs> um, I, I mean, not to not to make too broad strokes in comparing it to another film about sort of um, Chinese culture and Chinese heritage, but I was watching it thinking. This is so much better than Mulan. I'm enjoying this so yeah. much more than Mulan, but that's yeah. not to say it isn't without great fault. What did mm. you think of Shang Chi? Um, yeah, and I, I, just I same. Okay, cool. Yeah. Move on. Good night, everybody. Thanks. <laughs> no, I think there, there's a lot to like about it. You can't deny the fight scenes are pretty spectacular, um, and the things we've not seen before in the MCU. It, you know, it takes massive influence from. I suppose two different sides of Asian cinema. One, the kind of you're more kind of crouching tiger stuff, and you you know the the it's got a name, and I can't. It's really bad of me not to not to notice, but the kind of you know the floating kind of style of of martial arts that's a little yeah, bit more surreal. Yeah. But then actually, when uh, Shang Chi is in uh, is in San Francisco, and when he's in Macau, it's taken a lot of influence from like Jackie Chan. Uh, cinema like Rumble in the Bronx and things like that, which is like really, really great at using your surroundings, um, you know, as, as, as weapons or as ways to kind of progress yourself forward. And it's really, really, really like so entertaining to watch. Like the, the bus scene, although there is, you know, there's quite a lot of CGI in it, it was, it was pretty breathtaking and, and very like, I don't know, I was. I had my sort of hands in my mouth the entire time. It was really great. And it's a, especially that one, it's a fight scene that you've not seen in the MCU before. It's great. Um, it's nice for me, like, like you said, it's nice that Marvel and Disney are kind of taking, uh, 
the influence from the Asian cinema that we spoke about uh, earlier, and they're taking it quite seriously. Um, I really liked Simu, Li- Simu Liu, who plays Shang-Chi. He brings this kind of likable charm, carries the weight of this new franchise, you know, really well. You know, he can do the action. He's easy on the eye. Uh, you know, he's funny and he's, you know, whatever. He's very, very good. He's got a great relationship with uh, Katie, played by Aquafina. She usually kind of grates on me a little bit, Aquafina, but I think she kind of reined it in a little bit. Um, and I really like that relationship because, you know, it, it'll probably develop into a romantic thing, but, uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's just a nice kind of cute, almost a little precious friendship, which I, which I, which I really, really liked. But then, for me, it loses its way definitely when when that kind of magic is introduced and that, that again, as we always get that overuse of CGI when it, that takes center stage, it yeah. felt it felt quite childish after that. You know, once we once we'd kind of stepped into this almost like magical realm, it was very childish. Everything everything we had, you know, and, and quite visceral. A lot of the fight scenes were you know were really quite brutal. Um, but it it got too light hearted. The film. And it, it, a film doesn't need to resort to kind of fluffy animals to bring yeah. laughs and, and to bring in, you know, that younger audience. Look at Guardians, look at Thor, yeah. you know, Ragnarok, especially, and, 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 and Love and Thunder. It just felt, for me, quite lazy, that sort, that sort of second, third act, stepping into that magical realm. Everything was too pink and fluffy for me do you know what i mean it just felt mm, we're, we're two different films and you know what when we get into that end sort of fight with the well maybe towards the end of the fight that with the dad and fighting with these rings all i could think was it feels like sonic yeah, yeah every time yeah, you yeah. got hit it went it's like you know i was having flashbacks to me being crap on the sega when i was like nine <laughs> years old whatever um, i think yeah i, no, I, I agree yeah I feel like now moving forward, if you look, and I enjoyed it, I did enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't dislike it, and it's not the worst Marvel film. But I think if we step back 13 years to Iron Man, mm. and Iron Man isn't, for me isn't even the best Marvel film, but if you look at Iron Man to this, mm. I kind of think, where the hell of, like, what, they, they don't compare. You know what I mean? And I just think, what has happened for us to get here into this complete CGI? bubblegum world and I, I was just a bit taken aback thinking hmm, i'm not sure i like where we're going and i think if you look if we look at kind of like the eternals trailer and things like that i feel like they're building this marvel's now building this almost like mystic world that's heavy on magic we mm-hmm. we had the stage of marvel films that was more kind of like space based or you know taking a lot of space sort of influences and now i feel like we're going down this like mystic realm yeah. eternals doctor strange and i'm not entirely sure i like where we're going yeah. I, I'm not too sure. I think um, I think I agree, and I, I think on the one hand, you know, they had to after Endgame, they had to sort of draw a line under that phase clearly yeah. and, do, and do something completely different, whether mm. it's going to be what we're after or not. Yeah. I think different is important. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of one thing we're not mentioned is that for the for the MCU fans, there are some real satisfying appearances and references yeah. from mm. some characters from other places in the MCU and you know the yeah. links there what what I quite like and certainly having seen the the new trailer the latest trailer 
um, for Spider-Man No Way Home mm-hmm. uh, and what they're doing with the sort of multiverse stuff and using the sort of Doctor Strange thing, which I yeah. think actually was underused and underdeveloped for the last last phase of the MCU. Mm. I quite I quite like how it's knitting for one of a better word. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, you know, but that's not to say I don't agree with a lot of things you're saying. For, from my point of view, from from an MCU skeptic who sat here with you, you know, getting on towards eighteen months ago now, fifteen months ago, and for me, I just saw the MCU as, and I still do to extenses. As the Tesco to cinema, <laughs> as opposed to you know independent films being the market stores and the boutiques, yeah, yeah, and corner yeah. shops sort of thing, and for, and for me the latter gives much more sort of vibrancy. But actually, they can coexist with each other, and I understand yeah. that now how they coexist. And actually, and given what's happened in the last year, it's the MCU to a large extent that's going to do and and other yeah. big franchises like it that are going to prop cinema up. Yeah, definitely. And, and having seen a lot of mediocre and a lot of bad films over the last year, I'm now at a place where I can watch an MCU film and be, be thoroughly satisfied that, yeah, we can pick holes in it and find all the faults and the flaws and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But you you still get a thoroughly high standard of entertainment, don't yeah. you? Yeah, and, oh, no, and 100%. Uh, and and I was thoroughly entertained, and I was pleased, and and I laughed a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And and th- there's so, there's a lot to be said there for cinema. And I, and I found myself th- thinking all these thoughts as I was watching, it, thinking, bloody hell, yeah, I've been I've been drawn in by it all. This I'm, mm-hmm. I'm into this MCU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, you know what I mean? Put put it put it this way: I can say all these things about you know what I didn't enjoy about these films. Mm. There's, what are we on, 24 Marvel films or something now. I've never walked out of a Marvel film and thought, oh, that was crap, yeah. or, or didn't like that. Ne- never once, and I think that is a, that is a true feat, um, mm. you know, for for a, a big studio. And I know, I get what it is, you know, I, I see exactly what it is, this money machine churning them out, whatever. But, you know, I like them, yeah. they're fine. I think Shang-Chi, ultimately, for me, it was you know, often quite fun, heart-filled. I like the adventure side of things and it tempted to try and do something a little bit different. Um, however, and I think sadly, it falls into that same kind of cliche plot points and peaks and troughs of, that you'd get in many of these sort of air quotes Marvel classics. Um, it was a little disappointing for something that I wanted to be so different yeah. that wasn't quite as different as I wanted it to be. But, you know, there we go. Would you say, Gregory, that Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings, is Independence Day or Apocalypse Pompeii? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give it Independence Day, just because, yeah. yeah. And, and I will, I will, there we go. And where can we see this film, Greg? Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is available now in cinemas. Okay, so uh, just before we we I want to say broke up, Dave, at the end of season two, um, we got we got on the all aboard the movie train, uh, and we went to Mad Max Fury Road Station, 
so here we are. We are going to bring back Adam Stephen Kelly, who we spoke to a little bit early on. Uh, Adam, I think you've been briefed on the concept of the movie train. Um, so here we are at Mad Max Fury Road. You can take any line um, to another film uh, linked via uh, an actor, a director. It could be something a little bit more um, tenuous. Uh, but I want you to take us to another film that links to Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, what can you do for us? Okay, so I'm going to go with uh, expectations and uh, focus on the the, the dark and uh, twisted. Uh, Charlie's Theron is in Mad Max Fury Road, which is a great a great movie. Uh, and in 2003, she was in Monster, which was the uh, the screen. Uh, story of of eileen wernos's life it was a serial killer um and she's absolutely incredible in that movie um unrecognizable as well you'd never believe it was her um she's spot on looks exactly like eileen wernos acts exactly like eileen wernos um it's an incredible performance and uh, a very very good movie wow. wonderful absolutely. well it's something i haven't seen uh, i'm looking forward to seeing it david have you seen monster I, I saw it maybe a couple of years after it came out, so I don't remember that you know the whole sort of thing. But you know, I remember kind of key moments of it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, yes, yeah, she won the Oscar for it, didn't she, uh, Charles? She did. And you can watch Monster for free, or well, free uh, on Amazon Prime now. So that's brilliant. That'll make things life a bit easier. <laughs> Thanks again, Adam. Great. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Thanks for your time, Adam. Pleasure. On the box. Okay then, Greg, what the hell is on the box for you this week? Uh, I am going to go uh, pretty obvious, a uh, film that we've spoken about at length um, before, and that is the 2016 Oscar-winning Moonlight, and that is available to watch on Channel 4 uh, on Friday and Saturday, so t- 25 to 1 in the morning, Friday night, Saturday morning. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Channel 4, go and see it. Oof, if you've not seen it, absolutely. Watch it. Yeah. Uh, what's on the box for you this week, David? I am going for Saturday, the 11th of September, 9.15, uh, sorry, 7, 7.15, ITV2, the classic Jim Carrey comedy, Liar Liar. Liar Liar. Yeah, boy. <laughs> this pen is blue, 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 blue. Um, awesome I love that film Uh, cool Uh, let us know what you guys are watching on the box this week what he said notice how we haven't done So Solid You this week I mean we will bring So Solid You back um, time to time maybe every other week something like that Uh, but Dave I just wanted to let you know that um, I've the other week. I mean, we, I've had a great summer of watching films with uh, Arthur. In, in particular, mm. he's decided he decided one day he wants to watch Jurassic Park. He watches all the Jurassic okay. World animated series on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Animated, animated, uh, animated mm. series. Uh, but uh, mm. I showed him the first Jurassic Park a while ago, and he loved it. 
um, and we did Lost World, but now we're 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 up to date. So we did uh, Jurassic Park three, and then we did uh, Jurassic World, and then we did Fallen Kingdom. Mm. So we're up to date. Oh wow! And he absolutely loves it. And he has to watch it with me, and he jumps like snuggles into my arms sometimes when it gets to the scary yeah. bits. But it's really really cool. And he is dinosaur obsessed. Like we're watching it, yes. and he was going, "Oh yeah, they're the compies. Oh, a mosasaurus!" Like he knows what they are before they say it. Like I'm in awe of him That's anyway. Cool. But That's on the back good. of that, I thought, right, okay, I think the time's come. I said, kids, because they've obviously heard of Harry Potter and a lot of friends watch mm. Harry Potter. I said, let's watch Harry Potter. And they were like, yeah, okay. Sat down on the sofa. It's like, James at work, got popcorn out, something like that. And we started watching the first one. And we watched an hour hour of it before I decided it was bedtime. And they loved it. They were like, mm. jaws wide open. Right. And I was so pleased. And I said, Jane, they like Harry Potter. We're going to get, oh, they're into Harry yeah. Potter. And then a couple of days later, we like start watching it again, and you know, till the scary thing sort of cuddling into my arm. Arthur was on the other sofa watching it, and you know the bit where they go into—is it called the Dark Forest or? Yeah, Forbidden Forest. Yeah, Forbidden Forest. Yeah, um, and you see um, the unicorn, the dead unicorn, and the unicorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Voldemort, isn't it? Drinking the mm. unicorn blood, and then you see the centaur guy, mm-hmm. and Arthur just burst out crying. And oh, said, wow. "Can you stop it? Can you stop it?" And he wouldn't let me say. You know, and, and he was he was traumatized. Wow! And, hated it. and I was just like, "Oh crap! I've made a mistake. <laughs> like too soon. Oh, no. I, I don't know how long it'll be before I can go back to Harry Potter now." But he was just yeah. like, I mean, "Till there's a bit like oh, I'll carry on, sort of thing." But Arthur <laughs> not having it at all. I remember I showed, and that, that's the thing, isn't it? You, it's hard to judge when it's right when's the right time to show you know, kids, a particular film. I remember I showed my niece and nephew and they, I showed them Ghostbusters when I think Taylor was probably about, I don't know, let me think. So probably, probably about eight years ago. So Taylor's probably about nine, something like that. So Cal, I don't know, Calvin would have been like, I don't know, six. And they were terrified by Ghostbusters, which for me in all accounts, Ghostbusters isn't isn't scary, but they were absolutely terrified. So I'm not surprised. I think it's scary. Well, I just just think, like, in my head, I'm thinking he's been watching Jurassic, some of the Jurassic Parks or Jurassic Worlds are like 12 A's, aren't they? And I I just, I didn't think. Do do, do you think maybe it's because it's like, like, although dinosaurs, like, don't exist anymore it's like it's like a, a creature it's 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 yeah, it's like yeah. something that's kind of real and there whereas like it's almost like the, the kind of magical myst, mystic kind yeah. of side of harry potter is a little you know can be a maybe, little bit maybe. scary i don't know the, the, wow. he was looking then he, then he was staring at the door like oh. like he, he wouldn't he was worried that basically voldemort was on the other side of this door oh, I, was just like, I felt awful i felt so so bad I, I had to proper snuggle him to sleep that night, and you know, oh, yeah, big mistake. Anyway, little does he know, Voldemort is is behind <laughs> that door. <laughs> Harry Potter. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. what the hell is on uh, on the cards for you this weekend? Correct. Not a great deal. Back to back to boring weekends of doing nothing. I mean, it would have been more interesting if we recorded over the summer. I would have had more to tell you, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I or ten, eleven. I don't think a lot is happening at all. Really, Good. we'll see. We'll see what the <laughs> weather's like. What about you? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Not not tons. We we go to like um every, every Saturday now we go to this like autism play 
70, play class sort of thing, yeah. which is just like 40 minutes, 45 minutes, you know, like-minded <laughs> parents yeah. um, and their, and their children. And it's just a nice sort of safe environment, I suppose. Yeah. Um, cool. And it's, it's blooming lovely. And Ben oh. loves it as well, which is great. I and mean, you can take the siblings as well. So Zach quite enjoys it. Um, so yeah. And then, Probably go out on the bike, maybe. Yeah, go out on the bike quite a bit recently. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, but there we go. Excellent. Excellent stuff. So, um, yeah, Greg kind of touched on it earlier. The episodes are going to look a little bit different moving forward. Um, you know, some of the sections are going to kind of come in and come out, depending on the, the week that, you know, what's, what's on that sort of week. We've got some cool things planned. We've got lots of guests lined up in the next, you know, couple of months. So, you know, stay tuned for those. It's going to be really, really interesting. Um, and I'm really, really excited about some of the people we're going to be speaking to. Um, we're going to be watching loads of new films. We're going to be watching loads of old films. Um, should we do a password this week, Greg? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> password can be... Give me an obscure dinosaur, Greg. Uh, Mosasaurus. Okay, Mosasaurus. Mosasaurus, I believe that's... I'll have to check with Arthur, but I think that's one that lives in the sea. I uh, I tell you what, if uh, I'm going for bottomless brunch in a few weeks, I'm going to be a Mimosasaurus. (laughs) Are you having that one? Yeah. Yes. Good, good. Excellent. Uh, Cool. Um, Tell your friends about our podcast. It really makes a difference to us. Share it on the old social media. Uh, You can support us and uh, put a monetary value on your support by buying us a fee. Go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash dads on film uh, and the link is in the description of the podcast uh anything yeah, else to tell people no don't think so um yeah good great thank you for listening thank you for thank you to adam for joining us and having a good old chat which was good fun um yeah you stay classy san diego and uh we'll see you all next week a whale's vagina